I'm Amy, and you're listening to the Creativity Matters Podcast. Today on the Creativity Matters Podcast, an invitation to wander in simple ways and a couple of books that I know you are going to want to see. Here we go. You're listening to the CMP, a Creativity Matters Podcast. Stories of creative journey and a reminder that creativity matters in whatever form it takes for you. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Creativity Matters Podcast. I'm Amy, and this is episode 485, Inviting the Unexpected, plus books to read. Some of you are listening to me, some of you are reading me, and I think I probably sound exactly the same, which leads me to this weird sensation that the Substack is gobbling up the podcast, and that, of course, gives me a total Pac-Man moment. Partly, it's simple logistics. I'm trying to get to a system where I can do both, do it all, be amazing. But really, I am trying to get a system in place where I can do both, and they will feed and fuel each other, and it will be this nice, logical, integrated flowing system that goes back and forth between the written and the spoken. So that's where I'm at. That's what I'm thinking about. We all got to do what we got to do, right? So today, here is what is on tap, what I have lined up, what I think will be included, some library wander and the value of the wander, the importance of finding ways to create those moments and opportunities for the unexpected for yourself. Two books, both graphic novels by the same illustrator, and they are about artists and illustrators, and I think you're going to love them. A quick note about sketchnoting old shows, a Julia Cameron book that I am hoping to do as a read-along of sorts, a buddy read of sorts, and some baseline tracking of my experience reading this book over the next several weeks. I am not an artist's way olight, and I'll mention this just briefly at the end of today's show. And then a reminder that I am writing regularly again and sending out a weekly newsletter via the Substack space. I would love to have you join me there. Illustrated Life, substack.com. And I am trying hard not to let the Pac-Man thing happen, or the Ms. Pac-Man thing, if you will. I really see these two things, these two projects, these two vehicles and spaces as integral things, two sides of the same coin. But I'm also not planning on just repeating everything there and here. Sometimes, maybe, but not in full. So I hope you'll continue to listen and continue to read, and that we can connect and inspire one another in both of these spaces. In our drawing group last week, it was mentioned that in the old days, I had clear sections to the show, and that is true. And the show was very different then. It didn't even have this name. I've never really settled into this name, but it didn't have this name. It was a different show and different in its scale, what it was about. And it really had different sections. I also had two little boys that I could wrangle to say something cool or sweet or enchanting 
to use to separate the show. And I miss those little voices. And I miss being able to say, okay, say this and say that. And then I would have these really sweet little sound clips that I could use for whatever the section might be. It's been such a long time ago. So today, I've got a pair of books to mention, as I said, that are super cool. Reading these led me right back to some favorite movies, too. And I am, of course, endlessly entertained by how our brains leapfrog from thing to thing, which is all totally related to the rabbit hole discussion from last week's Substack. Even that led me to do quite a bit of looking into rabbit holes. I remember when I did a similar thing with pipe dreams. So books, always books, right? I did read a relatively sad article this week called Why Johnny Can't Read Now, an Elegy. And that was posted on threequarksdaily.com by Deanna Kreisel. And I'll link to it in the show notes if you're curious. It wasn't literally suggesting that people today are unable to read, as in able to piece together letters to make sounds, to make words, to make sentences, to make meaning. Although maybe a little bit the last part, because it was about the fact that people can't read something and derive meaning from it. And often because they can't focus all the way through, they can't hold on to what's happening in one paragraph or one section to the next. It's an interesting article. And if you're like me, you might end up reading along and then realize what it's about and consciously slow down to prove to yourself that you can do it. Because you can do it. I know you can do it. And you know you can do it. And it wasn't about us, but it's still an interesting article. So books, books, because we love books here on the CMP. And it has been a number of years since I did what I called my year of wander and discovered in ways that surprised me that sometimes wandering and tapping into the headspace that goes along with wandering, an openness, I think, to the universe, a willingness to slow down, to be intentionally unfocused and just drift, how important that can be, how rewarding and meaningful and beneficial. Wandering doesn't have to be complicated. At its core, it does not have to be complicated. Wandering can be as simple and as humble as going to the library and walking around. Your run-of-the-mill library can offer you that free and clear. Wandering doesn't have to mean going somewhere and buying new things just because they jump out at you and then showing those off. It really can be something so simple. It is about a mindset and an openness, not about acquisition of things in that way. So that year, that year of wander, I went pretty regularly once a week and I wandered around the library and I sat at the library and I sat there waiting for my son's art class. So after dropping him off at night, I would go hang out at the library. It became a really important thing for me, an important marker in my week, a pit stop on that day. And it grew to be much bigger than what it sounds like, a little simple trip to the library. At the time, it felt 
huge to let myself drift in that way, to carve out a different window of time, to sit with a stack of books or my sketchbook out of the house and see what happened. And that has been many, many years. It has to have been many, many years because that was before he went to high school and he is now graduating from college. I thought that first transition was hard. This next one is really, really, really putting my soul in a box. So a lot of years have passed. And I've even switched libraries, which we've talked about several times. We change. Things change. The marks on the map change. And the paths we take change. But some of those practices remain the same and remain there if you take advantage of them, and if you give yourself that opportunity, if you invite yourself to really simple exercises in wandering and in being open and in slowing down. I have found myself a few times recently heading into the library in much the same way I did that year, and I started to recognize that feeling, that feeling of overlay, that sense that This is how I felt then, and it's still possible. I head in knowing that it will give me some kind of different air to breathe and space to walk around and drift and be open to discovery, to some sense that mystery lurks around corners and between the covers of books, that things are sometimes put in our paths. And I do know that that sounds a little la-la or woo-woo, or whatever sound clip you might put into that space. I do know that. And I'm really not a la-la or a woo-woo person. I'm really not. But there is something about this period of wonder and this openness. And recognizing that feeling again has been really important and something I needed right now. I'm really trying to sink into it and Because I'm aware of it, and newly aware of it again, I'm really trying to make it happen. Deliberately carve time and space. I have to, with intentionality, make myself just go. I don't have a sequence of events that is creating that opportunity for me. So instead, I have to just go and do it and say, okay, this is important, and I always come away with something, some kernel or some bit of inspiration or something to share. And so I have to do it. And I would like to transition that to going again and sitting somewhere in public like a cafe or a coffee shop or something like that. But the library has definite advantages. Occasionally, I think I should really make an effort to learn the Dewey Decimal System. And I feel like somewhere along the way, I must have known it. And yet partly, I just don't care. I don't want to solve that for myself. It just adds to the sort of sense of mystery. Partly, I enjoy just wandering and being content to not know. This branch that I go to is very small. It's smaller than the one I used to go to and different. And yet in this little bitty set of stacks. I know that I can roll around one corner and the art books are there and 
roll around another and find the poetry. I know where the teen books and the teen graphic novels are. That used to be the only place I knew. That was the place I always headed to. And the knitting books, I knew where those were. But now I found the adult graphic novels and biographies and business books and on and on and on. I grab whatever books I have on hold and then I walk around and I stop and I look at the shelves and I pull things that I notice or things that speak to me. I'm usually surprised at what jumps out. And then I go and I sit down in the seated area, which has a fireplace and five chairs, which I think is just charming. And I flip through some of the books that I pulled. Last week, I read a graphic novel called Headspace, and it was very sad about an older woman, 95, according to the book cover, who has a stroke and what goes on from her perspective after that. Like I said, it's sad, but I sat there and I read the whole thing. There is a talking turtle in it, so there is a bit of whimsy blended into this very tenderly illustrated account. And then I flip through the other books. And then when I'm done looking, I check out a couple. I don't check out everything. That's the nice thing. I can flip through some and leave them behind. And then I stack this visit with a walk a few times around the block right there, that neighborhood. I'm already parked. I'm already there. So I walk around the block and it's a really nice little neighborhood. They have lots of beautiful ornamental trees and well-tended tiny lawns. It's just nice. It's inspiring. It's peaceful. It's calm. It's flat. It's quiet. Walking closer to where I live is not like that at all. And so I really enjoy that little bit of habit stack that I'm creating. That little bit of a walk is an important part of it. And I know that. I know that. And I'm really bad about doing that walk now. I'm really at my desk all day, every day. I rarely get out for the walk, even when I intend to. So much changes when your kids grow up and are out of school. I don't have pickups. I don't have drop-offs. If I don't make the real effort, I don't ever move. I don't have a dog to walk. Most days, I don't really have to leave the house unless I'm taking someone to an appointment and then I'm waiting in the car, not walking. It all seems so much more complicated than it should be. I think there must be a few hours missing somehow in this day. I'm kidding. We all just need to really figure out how to best use those hours. We're all so much better off though when we are able to go out and to walk a little bit and to get some air and get some light and get some vitamin D. At the most basic level, all these things are true. And yet it can be easy to put it off and think, no, I'm too busy and to miss out on all the benefits. So I hope that it is part of your day to go out and walk around. Make it a part of your day. And don't just scroll your phone. I do that too. I sometimes do walk looking at my phone, especially Sometimes when I'm really into the book I'm reading, I read while I walk, but sometimes I scroll, I scroll Instagram, send out some texts. Sometimes it's a multitasking thing that works, but mostly I think you should put your phone away. I think you should walk and look around, look at the trees, look at the sky, look at the light, listen for the birds, look at the people you're passing, the shapes, the colors, the sounds. We just need to stop, slow it all down, put your phone away and just breathe, breathe deeply. So how much shallow breathing do you do? And how much diaphragmatic or belly breathing do you do? These are things I have been thinking about a lot and hearing a lot about, in fact. 
I always thought my shallow breathing was the way to do it. And lo and behold, it is not. So I've really, really been working on that. I'm a big fan of box breathing too. And I find that I do that more and more often. And I'm now coupling that very, very deliberately with diaphragmatic breathing. So walk around and look, see what you see, snap some photos. You can delete them later. For me, snapping the photos makes everything more real, makes me feel more a part of it. Some people disagree. Some people believe that if you're snapping the photos, you're not truly present. There is a balance there, I think. If I snap the photo, I am more likely to somehow remember it later just because there was a photo. But it also helps me key into things I'm seeing and feel like I'm present in a different way in that moment, in that walk. So I hope you're doing those things and I really need to do it more. I need to be much better about it. I need to be much better about a lot of things. We all do. A lot of things have slid and continue to slide. And sometimes we have to look really, really candidly about what's going on and why. And we have to say, okay, this has got to stop. I tell myself all the time that certain things have to stop and it doesn't mean I've stopped them. So it's not that easy. But we do really have to be candid and clear and true and honest with ourselves about what's what and what we can control or what we really could do differently. It can sometimes help to have a goal or a reason or a date in mind, something that gives you some kind of target or some kind of incentive. And I think you have to figure out what works for you and having accountability can also make a big difference. But I am happy to be heading to the library at least more regularly again. I am more judicious these days in what I actually check out and bring home. I know that I won't get to half the things I check out. So even when I put a bunch of books on hold, sometimes I just flip through them there at the fireplace and leave them behind. And that's okay. So the two books I want to talk about today are both by the same author and illustrator. And I picked up three at the same time by her. One of them I looked at that day at the fireplace. That book is called The Girl Who Named Pluto, The Story of Venetia Burney by Alice B. McGinty and illustrated by Elizabeth Hadel. I did read The Girl Who Named Pluto there at the library. It will always be weird to me to have to acknowledge that Pluto is no longer considered a planet. At any rate, I brought the other two books home before they were artists, famous illustrators as kids, and before they were authors, famous writers as kids. Both are compiled and illustrated by Elizabeth Hadel. Wow, I was just blown away by these books. These are absolutely books that I would have wanted on my shelves when my kids were younger. I went through the artist book first, and I completely enjoyed it. And then I went through the book on writers, and it was equally good. I think these work wonderfully as a pair. You then get profiles and biographical notes and inspiration about 15 plus individuals. The artist's book contains Hayao Miyazaki, Tove Johnson, Maurice Sendak, Yuyi Morales, Jerry Pinkney, and Wanda Gog. And the author's book contains Madeline Lingle, C.S. Lewis, Maya Angelou, Sandra Cisneros, Dr. Seuss, Roald Dahl, Mark Twain, Jean Luen Yang, Beatrix Potter, and J.K. Rowling. And I think choosing who to include 
And this kind of book is probably really difficult. Narrowing it down to 10 in one book and six in the other, I am sure that wasn't easy. I don't know who I would necessarily pick, but the choices are diverse in many ways. And I can tell that a lot of thought went into these selections. It's a really nice balance in each book. And when I was reading the book on writers especially, I felt at one point that these were probably or maybe authors that had been important to her, to the author-illustrator, in her years past as a child or growing up or at some point along the way. It was an interesting mix. And I would love to see a lot of other writers and illustrators and artists profiled in just the same way. I can see Eric Carle being included, for example. And some of my favorites, like the illustrator who did the Stella series, there are so many wonderful wonderful illustrators and writers out there. I think for the writer's book, it was especially nice that these are authors that younger readers might be aware of. Not simply these are the classics, but these are really writers that are well-known, especially for children's books. So authors they might already know of and enjoy and can learn more about. So people like Dr. Seuss and Beatrix Potter, C.S. Lewis, and Roald Dahl. It's a refreshing mix. The style of these books is fantastic. You know I love graphic novels, and these are done in a graphic novel format. They are wonderful. They're a really wonderful example of what this medium can do, how much information you can convey, what a wonderful story you can tell in such a compact and highly visual format. They are beautifully illustrated, lots of little details and tiny notes, little things you can latch onto. There are quotes and dates and timelines, and I just loved it. I found these books really accessible. With this format, you can look at a biography and quickly take in a lot of information about an individual. The two books have slightly different formats, but there's a portrait of some form with each profile and a small timeline that shows the birth of the individual, some of the major highlights like major publications or major works of art, and a death note. And I really enjoyed looking at that timeline. It was helpful to glance at it and say, oh, that's the point in this person's life where this really well-known thing happened. And to see always that it wasn't quite as early on as you might think. And I thought these books were fantastic. I don't think I've been as excited about a set of books like this in a long time. Long, long ago, I talked about another set of books, might have been just one, that was similar about artists and illustrators as children. But I don't remember it being nearly as accessible. I remember enjoying it a lot. But this pair is so special in this format A couple years ago, I talked about a biography of Julia Child that was done in graphic novel, and that one always stands out for me too. So, so wonderful. Really easy to dive into, really easy to read, a lot to look at, and a really down-to-earth approach to learning about each of these people, how they grew up, what led them to create the wonderful work that we now associate with them. There was struggle There were all kinds of things that happened. These are not simple yellow brick road stories. It's really nice sometimes to really see what the path was like for these people that we know because of their success. 
to go back and really understand what they were like as children and what they did, what they were told, what they faced, what they encountered, how things unfolded. It's very interesting. Even though these are graphic novels, I think you as an adult will enjoy them. I couldn't help but be fascinated by the details from their childhoods and realize that I don't have those details about my own, that there's no way I could put together some of that baseline story. It was really a disorienting thing to think about. I'm not even sure I could put it together for my kids. And of course, that's sort of just my issue. But Hadel did such a wonderful job, I think, summarizing these biographies, distilling a life and a career and an origin story into a really clear-cut, engaging, entertaining biographical note. She also managed to keep each super interesting. There are unexpected details in every profile that I read, things I had never heard and I didn't know, things that were charming or just really interesting or unusual or quirky. There were definitely things that are really concisely and naturally included without making a big deal about them. And I really appreciated that too. So I just found this overall really an informative pair of books to look at. For example, Wanda Gog, who wrote Millions of Cats, which is a book that wasn't familiar to me, but I also was interested to learn that she was the first to use a double-page spread in a children's book. Who knew? And did you know that when Maurice Sendak first started creating the story that became Where the Wild Things Are, it was Where the Wild Horses Are? But according to the book, he decided he was terrible at drawing horses. I highly recommend that these are books you take a look at if you have kids in your life. Definitely check your library for these. They are relatively recent, I think 2019 and 2021. So check them out. They're great to send in a care package or have at your house for when kids are visiting. I think they're good picks. Miyazaki is one of the artists included in the book about illustrators. And I love that. I felt like that was actually an unusual choice. His films have always been a favorite of mine, definitely favorites when my kids were little. We watched Spirited Away a bunch of times. And I was always particularly fond of Kiki's Delivery Service and Howl's Moving Castle, too. I know some people are huge Totoro fans. And while I think Totoro is cute, the others definitely have had more resonance for me, spirited away especially. So after reading this children's book, I thought I should watch Spirited Away again. And so I did. And I just loved it. I loved the rewatching of it. I might have loved it even more this time than ever before. And in the strangest way, somehow I felt like I really absorbed it this time differently. I don't know. It was really a special rewatch. So I was glad that I did that. And then I decided maybe I should go ahead and watch Totoro again and Kiki again. And maybe I should just watch them all, watch all of the Miyazaki films again. I think I've decided that's what I need to do. I actually think there might be a few I haven't watched. So that'll be fun too. When I decided to watch Spirited Away, I thought there might be something related to my 100-day project that was in the back of my head. That project is about stone lanterns, and it somehow just felt completely apropos to watch Spirited Away. And I thought, oh, there's going to be something significant here. There will be stone lanterns or something that 
is all related as I rewatch this. And I don't know that that actually happened. There were no stone lanterns, so to speak. I don't think. I didn't notice them. I thought there might be, but no. But at the very beginning, there is a moment where they drive down the path and Shihiro sees and asks about the little stone houses that she sees on the side of the road. And when that happened, I had to stop and rewind that so I could write down the quote, actually. So that in and of itself was just perfect. If you have not watched Spirited Away before, please do. Treat yourself to that experience. And if you have never watched Kiki's Delivery Service, please do. There is a bit of an art sub-theme that you might enjoy there. I went ahead and rewatched Totoro and Kiki already, but I am now going to work through the others. One of the projects I have talked about a lot and hope to really bring to fruition is sketch notes of the shows. I feel like I've talked about it now over and over and over again for years, but gradually as all these things really come into new focus for me, this is something that really is really at the top of my my list here in terms of my thought process. And so I am definitely working on sketchnoting at least loosely each new show, but I also want to work on some old shows. I still think an iPad and doing them digitally using Procreate might be the best approach all in all. Since I don't want them to just be one-offs, I really am looking at this as a bigger project. And there's just a real concrete reality to the ability to do some editing as needed. But I don't have an iPad. So I'm thinking about that, but I don't have an iPad yet. And I'm not sure that the digital work would have the same feel. And that's really a big stumbling block for me. I don't know that it would feel the same. I know a lot of sketchnoters are digital and create wonderful digital sketchnotes. And I I really, really feel like this might be the step I need to take. So that's a big maybe for me this year. I don't know that I can swing it even, but it is a big maybe for me. But for now, I am sketchnoting the new shows, as I said, and I have this idea, this new idea, this Substack idea, to maybe sketchnote an older show once a week. So I practice the skill and process by going back and doing something from the old shows. But there's a lot of old shows. And so the indecisive me, which can really take control, it's really, really a problematic thing. The overthinking me. With so many shows, what do I pick? I don't even have all the shows available to you to listen to anymore. And I don't know that you ever would if they were available. But what do I pick? I don't want to overthink that. I could spend hours overthinking that, just like I could spend hours trying to find something to draw sometimes if I'm not careful. So I set up a poll earlier this week in my story at Instagram and said, okay, pick a number between 200 and 400. And I didn't say what it was about. I said, there's no prize. I wasn't giving anything away. Sorry. I don't have anything to give away. But there was no reason for anyone else to overthink it because there was no context, just a number. That was very funny. It was very funny. Overall, it was very funny. And a few people, and I've laughed with you about this. So I'm laughing with you. A few people who picked outside the range, which I thought was completely intentional. 
And I thought it was very funny and it did make me laugh, but it was funny. It was also fun and it was interesting to see there were quite a few people who voted. There was one clear winner. I had said if the same number gets picked over and over again, that's what I'll do. And there was a clear winner. There were a couple of numbers picked over and over. It was very interesting to me to see what maybe I should have just expected, but how people picked. But I also looked at the average, what show that might be. I looked at the average midway in the 24-hour period what numbers had come in and what that would be, and then the average at the end to see what that would be. And neither of those shows necessarily begged for a sketch note, at least not if I'm just picking and choosing. If if what this ended up is that, oh, let's sketch note 100 of the 400 plus shows, that's very different. That does become a real pick and choose and some overthinking. But there are a bunch of shows that probably could be left out, you know? maybe shows especially that are just book review shows. The one that came up that was the repeated number, I started it really late one night. I said, oh yeah, I need to do this. I'm going to do this. So I pulled it up and listened and started sketchnoting. And I was struck by several things. First of all, I was struck by why in the world anyone would listen. And I am struck by that always. When I get done, I can't imagine why people listen. I am so sometimes perpetually confused, even though I'm so glad and so grateful because all I know to do is to keep talking and keep writing and keep sharing. And I am so grateful that for some reason, some of you listen. But that show was funny because it's like, why, 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 why? And it was also funny because, and I know that I've said this many times, especially when I do listen back even to little bits and pieces, it could have been right now. The things I talked about could have been right now. So partly that says to me, wow, you just talk about the same exact thing all the time. But I think that that's not necessarily unexpected. I definitely do have certain themes and observations that come up and repeat for me. Things are very cyclical in that way. But it was interesting. I could definitely see the same conversation happening about opening the curtains. I really could. And the other thing I noticed is how much different it sounded. It sounded better, better in some ways. And a lot has changed. A lot of the situation has changed. My technology changed. And I have never really sorted out. And I sort of just now go forwards. And I just keep going. Even if I think, wow, maybe it doesn't sound like I have some big highfalutin studio. Because I don't. So it was interesting, and I am working on that sketch note, and I really do hope to manage to do one a week. I feel like that's a small enough project, manageable enough that I can start building my skill and this process and seeing what happens. These still feel very much just like rough drafts to me, and just sort of really feeling my way around this process. And that's definitely part of why I think digital would help a lot. Because rough drafts mean I have to do it again. So I I feel like this is one of those Sisyphean tasks or something. And I'll just keep doing this over and over and over. Or Penelope, like a weaving. Weaving and an unweaving over and over. Metaphors that definitely I use a lot, I know. So that is really it for today. I think I've hit almost almost everything I have. Because uh, the final thing is I want to mention again, that I am writing and sharing weekly on the Illustrated Life Substack and sending out a weekly newsletter. I 
have not sorted out whether I will send more than once a week or not. What I don't want to do is overstay my welcome. I don't want people to unfollow because I oversend. So currently I am writing throughout the week and then on the weekend sharing everything in one newsletter. And I'm hoping that works. I don't think I would have picked Sunday for that. And that's a little bit of my dilemma right now. But I am doing it on Sunday because I am also sending out Illustrate Your Week prompts a little bit early by including them in the Substack earlier than you will see them at Instagram or in the Facebook group. And I mentioned the book by Julia Cameron, and that is something I'm getting ready to do. I am going to read Write for Life, and I've posted a really long piece on the Substack about this and about where I'm coming from and why I never did read The Artist's Way, and mostly that has a lot to do with some really strong sense of loyalty I have always had to Natalie Goldberg and Writing Down the Bones. So I am going to read Write for Life. I will be sharing that journey on the Substack. I know that many of you are fans of The Artist's Way, and so if you think you might be interested in reading along or doing this process along, this is six-week process. It's a book that has a chapter a week for six weeks, and I would love to have you join me. So you can head to the Substack for the information about that. I also found myself near the free library, the little free library that I mentioned in a recent show, the one that looks like the house, and I took some pictures, and I'll be sharing those in this week's newsletter. In other words, I hope you'll follow the Substack. I think of it, as I said, as the podcast on a page, and I'm sorting out what that means and what the differentiators are, but I'm still really excited. And and that's huge. I'm really excited. And that's huge. I've even got plans to highlight some of the earlier podcasts there, I think. So you can follow along at illustratedlife.substack.com. I am the art. The art is me. Well, I feel like I talked like two hours and... After I cut all the stuff out that gets cut, it's really not that long. I feel like it was a lot. And I found myself rushing and racing towards the end. And I don't want to rush and race. I listen to a lot of things. And I know rushing and racing is the way to get people's attention and hold people's attention. And everything you speed up, every reel I post is like, I don't know, I speed it up like 700% and then times two again once I bring it into Instagram. And, you know, I've always been more about slowing down here on the podcast. And so if I lose you because I don't talk fast enough, because really I am a fast talker, but if I lose you because on the podcast I try to slow down, if I lose you because of that, then I'm probably not right for you anyway. Because what I want for all of us has a whole lot to do with slowing down. It doesn't mean not doing more and it doesn't mean stopping and it doesn't mean you can't have a lot of projects or a lot of interests or a lot of hobbies or you can't constantly be trying to improve your skills or your habits or your routines. There's also time and space to slow down. And that's really become more and more and more important to me through the years. So I apologize if I get really fast in between. I get fast because I think, oh, they'll never keep listening. So that is it for today. As always, I'm Amy. See, that doesn't change. I am Amy. And you can reach me at creativitymatterspodcast at gmail.com. 
The show notes are on the creativitymatterspodcast.com website. And you'll also find a lot of stuff these days on the Substack. The music I play is courtesy of Nikolai Heidless. And I don't change it just because it's so simple to just leave the same thing. You can find me at Instagram as oamyoamy, and I'm not posting all that often, so I don't grow, but I am posting stories every day related to my writing habit, which that's part of my habit stack, very important part of it for me. And I share Illustrate Your Week there and the work of other people who are keeping illustrated journals, because I want all of you to be inspired by each other and to connect with each other. I want everyone to feel supported in the space. So please do follow at oamyoamy at Instagram. I do draw on the weekends with people, and I've been slowly growing that group so that it can be more sustainable, so that there are always enough people to make it a regular thing. If you are interested in that, you are welcome to reach out to me and find out more. It is not for everyone. And I really do try and make it a good mix and make it something that is a nice, calm, low-key, enjoyable way to get an hour of drawing in on the weekends. So that's that. I think that is everything a little bit out of order. A thank you to those of you who have supported the show in any way through the years. And that would include Kofi or being at Patreon or the Amazon wishlist or listening, sharing the show with others, commenting, leaving a review in your podcast player, following along at the Substack. I would say these days that actually might be one of the most important ways. It is the same as signing up for the mailing list for the podcast itself. And I am just going to handle all of that through the Substack now. So if you want to stay up to date with the podcast and new episodes and things like that, or group opportunities or anything else, please sign up for the Substack. It is free right now. So please do sign up. Until next time, remember that creativity matters in whatever form it takes for you. And don't forget to breathe. Have a good week, everyone.